Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to Better Living. I'm your host, Nick Carissimi, continuing our conversation about Texas Hunters for Heroes, DFW. I just got done speaking with Chapter President Tim Wyland. We now turn to Senior Veterans Coordinator Patrick Myers. How are you doing? Good, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. I'm glad that you uh, glad that you joined me. So you're actually the reason why we're here today. Yes, we sir. were at a fundraiser for Brothers Keepers. Yes, sir. Great organization, yes, sir. and they put together an awesome fundraiser. It was yes. a lot of fun. Yes, it was. I was emceeing, and it was getting late, and I I just kind of threw a Hail Mary into the audience. I said, look, by the way, because no one knew who I was up there, I was like, uh, I, I run a radio show. If anybody works with any veterans groups or volunteer organizations, whatever it is, come find me. I'd love to have you on the show. So it was your- My wife. It was your wife. Yes, sir. So I'm walking through the crowd, and this woman grabs me and says, hey- I got a group for you, and she brought me over to you. Yes, sir. I got your card, and I think maybe a week later we were emailing, yes, and and here we are. So I really appreciate. So actually, how about this? I was gonna say I appreciate you reaching out, but was it you or was it your wife that actually reached out to me? Well, there were stairs, so <laughs> she. I made her run after you, but she she was a she's the big reason why we're here. Okay, big. She's the. She's the reason why we're She's here. the driving factor yes, behind this interview. So yes, what is her name? Mindy Myers. Mindy Myers. Thank you, Mindy. Yes, thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, how long have you guys been married? Oh, October will be three three years. Wow, all right. You even remembered like the date? Yes. For a second there I thought you were gonna blow it. Well, and I was gonna say, Well, you know, I can edit this, but well, there you are, you're a champion, you nailed been, it. Yeah, we've been together on and off for ten years. So it's <laughs> I mean it's been a long story for us. Well, We're happy. those are always the best stories. Yes, sir. Um, but you and I have a story that we need to discuss. Yes, it's sir. Texas Hunters for Heroes. Now, you are a part of this organization, as I mentioned, Senior Veterans Coordinator. And I do want to talk uh, about what you do for this organization and how you came uh, to be basically an employee, even though this organization does not have actual employees, all volunteer-based. Yes, sir. Um, but let, let's start a little bit before that. You were a Marine? Yes, Okay. Yep. When did you join the Marine Corps? In 2003. Um, I was a radio operator. Um, hey. In 2000. Yes, sir. All right. Okay. Yes, sir. We got a little um, something in common, I guess, so, right? Yes. So <laughs> I did. I did my comm school in 29 Palms, California, and then I went to Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, to a comm battalion, um, where I there I was selected for a PSD team, personal security detail. Um, where I went through d- different tra- uh, schooling to be a bodyguard, and that's what I did in Iraq uh, when I was injured. Uh, we were on a convoy in 2005, and we were ambushed. I was driving. I just didn't see it. You know, it was almost a year deployment. We were there. You know, we were it got a little complacent, you know, and it, we got hit. What was it? It was an IED, real tight bomb. All right, so let's talk a little bit about being a bodyguard, because from what I understand, that's actually one of the more dangerous things that you can have as a job when yeah. you're overseas. It's, I mean, you got EODs 
probably. I mean, because you're ferrying people around, and IEDs are the yes, biggest problem there. Is. Yeah. So you are directly dealing with the number one threat in theater. Yes, we were on the road a lot. We drove. We drove a lot. Um, so IEDs were our biggest obstacles. Who were you protecting? Um, regimental colonel and sergeant major. Okay, so it was military personnel, it wasn't politicians or yes. anything like that? Yeah, I mean, we, we did um, stuff for CNN. We drove CNN around and stuff, and, I mean, we weren't real happy about How is CNN? <sighs> Man. No, I don't work for them, so we I can mean, talk about it. it... <laughs> <laughs> they can't fire me? It wasn't my best moments. We just... They, I just wasn't. We, you have to bump people from your team uh, for the for their crews, and you know it's dangerous. It's there. It, it just put us in unsafe environment and unsafe situations um, that we didn't need to be in. Because they do stupid things, or because you know you have to protect them from stupid things. Well, we're protecting our assets, but then we're also having to protect them as well. So we're doing two different jobs at that point was there a time when media was okay over there was it always difficult or was there ever a time when it was actually good i mean no i mean there were good times but we they just very biased very very biased uh you know there's a lot of good we did over there you know a lot of good, you know, uh, you know, after clearing villages, we'd play soccer with the kids, pass out candy. None of that was shown. You know, it was only the bombs and the bloodshed. You know, we uh, where's the good that we did? You know, so. I appreciate the honesty. That's how I feel about that. Good. I appreciate that. Most people won't even want to talk about stuff like that. I honestly do appreciate that. All right, so you are in, where did you say you were when this happened? I was in Iraq. Uh, we were leaving a little train depot on the Syrian border in Iraq, um, and we were heading to a town called Haditha. Um, you know, and, and like I said, we were just complacent, and we were hit. You know, we were, my leg, I, I automatically lost my legs, um, you know, and I had a lot of other injuries. My lungs collapsed, and, you know, we didn't, we didn't think we were going to make it from Germany. You know, we did. You know, I made it to D.C. And, you know, it it all worked out. You know, I'm here. You know, we're fighting. Do you remember anything? I do. Oh, yeah, I do. I remember I remember most of it. A good, eh, probably 60% of it. Um, I didn't think I was going to make it. Uh, I was calm. It, I knew my legs were gone. Um I couldn't move. My back was broken. Uh, you kind of glossed over that part. Your yeah, back was broken too. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, my back was broke. Uh, ribs, fingers were shattered. Uh, my jaw was broke. Uh, it, it was it was pretty brutal. How old were you? Uh, I was twenty two when I was injured. Twenty two years old. Twenty two. Are you an area guy? Are you from the area? Yes, sir. Keller. Well, I was from Keller at the time. Now I live in Joshua. Okay. All right. So you are over there. You're in Germany for how long? Uh, probably about probably six, seven days. Six, seven days. And then you were able to go back to the States? Yes. Yeah. Because I know one of my, when we were in Germany, uh, I'd woken up and I had one chest tube in. And when I woke up, my other one collapsed. So then they put me in a induced coma and uh, put a tube in the other lung, and that's when things got 
sketchy, I guess. Is that when they got sketchy? <laughs> that was when it finally got sketchy. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Um. You. All right. So you're back in the states and just rehab. I'm assuming is the first step. Yes, sir. We did. Um. I. I came down. I was in uh, BMC. Well, no. I was up in uh, Walter Reed for a couple months, and then I asked to go down to BMC. Um, what is BMC? To, uh, Fort Sam, Houston. Okay. Um, and this is before the Intrepid Center was built down there in San Antonio. And I did my rehab down there. Um, I was one of the one of the first guys to retire out in 2007 out of the Intrepid Center. And then I came back up to Keller. I worked for a couple of different nonprofits. And then, they, you know, they got big. When they get big and political, I couldn't, I, I quit. I couldn't do it anymore. Um, I got burned out. Did you have experience with nonprofits before this? Uh, before my injuries? Yeah. No, sir. No. All right. So what made you want to jump into that arena? It, like like Tim was saying, you know, uh, people were taking, when we were down in Bamsey, you know, all different groups were coming down, taking us all sorts of places. Um, and I... I kind of fell into the one uh, certain organization uh, that I was with for probably about two and a half years. Uh, we did. I. I mean, I did a lot. I traveled a lot. I did a lot of public speaking for them, uh, motivational speaking, and then it just got big and political. And all right. So, how long were you at BMC? Two two years. Two years. Two years. All right. So this is two years of rehab. Two years yes, of getting your body healthy. Yes, sir. When you left. What was that? What was that feeling like? Is it a sense of relief? Is it accomplishment? No, 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 no. no. When I retired, when they when they discharged me, and, and I put my uniform on for the last time and retired, and I stood there in my prosthetics, it, it, my world ended. Like, cause I didn't want to get out. I begged them to keep me in. I would have did anything to stay in, uh, but you know, I'm 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 glad I've got the opportunities I have now. You know, things worked out the way they were supposed to. So after you left, you jumped into the nonprofit world, and you were kind of bouncing around. If you weren't happy at a place, you left that place. Yes. And were you searching for a veterans organization that you wanted to believe in? How did you actually find Texas Hunters for Heroes? A couple, a couple years ago, I was up on the Red River doing a helicopter hog hunt. I've always wanted and to do that. We, that is where I met Tim. Uh-huh. He was out there uh, on the flight line in his trailer smoking a, smoking a cigar. <laughs> and we, we got to talking. He asked me to come down to San Saba. They had just built the veterans home or the veterans building. There in in, in San Saba, and we we were going down there to hunt. Um, and this is my first actual real hunt. I did the hog hunt, but this is my first real hunt. And I really didn't want anyone to know. Kind of wanted them to know what I, like I knew what I was doing. I mean, I was the only one that got a turkey on that trip. <laughs> so I did. There you go. We did, All right, success. We did, uh, it was it was awesome, and I fell it fell in love with it like. You know, what Tim was saying about the small groups, you know, us 
going out there one-on-one with a guide, that time you do sit there, there's a lot of you just sitting there doing nothing. And then there's times you're sitting there talking and crying and it, it gets very emotional in those blinds. And you think you're big burly men out there hunting. You got rifles and shotguns and, you know, they're tearing up in blinds. But, you know, it's what we do, you know. I I asked him in the previous segment if this kind of sneaks up on you. I mean, did you think that you were just going to go on a turkey hunt? No, no. I mean, did you know what this organization was about? No, no, no. I had no idea. Um I had only met Tim. I didn't know anyone else yet at this point. Everybody was so nice. You know, we we talked just the the brotherhood. You know, and it's not all Marines down there. You know, we have every, we had every branch down there and it was it's still a brotherhood. It it was it, it was fun. It was relaxing. It wasn't it wasn't too overwhelming. It wasn't too tiring like some other organizations do. You, you know, you, you go out, you go out in the morning, you come in, we have a good lunch, then you go back out in the evening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you come back in, and then we have our, our little fire, our pit segments. Um, you know, but I, I, I fell in love with it. What did you get after that first hunt? I knew I, knew I wanted to change. Before before I went on this hunt, I was well over three hundred and thirty pounds. Really? Yes, I was. I was big. I was. I, I laid in bed for two years. I didn't get out of bed. Uh, my son. It finally got to the point where my my son was six at the time. Maybe my youngest son, five or six. Um, he was asking me to do something, and he's. I said. You know, I'll do it later. And he's like, well, you're just going to lay in bed anyways. So then, you know, I was like, I got to do something. You know, so I went out hunting, um, got the turkey, and haven't stopped. Seriously, we just, I, we haven't stopped since. What You are not 330. I don't know how much you weigh right now, but you are not that. Was this... Hunt, was that the thing that kind of got you motivated to get your body in shape? I yeah. mean, the honesty of a child is also <laughs> yes, apparently a driving factor right there. But was this one of those things that you said, like, this is officially, like, this is going to happen. Yeah. I need to do this. Yes. Um, I met another gentleman through a gym, Adaptive Training Foundation, and this was after the hunt. And we started, I started working out with him in the in this gym. And it's phenomenal, phenomenal um, what they what David Babora and they do for the veterans. But yeah, we he got I, I he knew I wanted how much I wanted to hunt, so we got we started working out. Now we're here. Health wise, how are you doing right now? I mean, you look you look great. We're doing good. We I have a lot of, of back uh, back issues. Um, yesterday I went and got had a CT myelogram done. Didn't feel too good, um, but. You know, we're, we finally, we're, I'm finally, I finally got the test I needed to get for my back to find out what's wrong with it. That's good. So now, now we can move forward and, and get it fixed so I can get back up walking. Excellent. I was going to ask, so you're in a chair today, but you also said that you had uh, prosthetics. Yes, sir. So you just kind of bounce between the two? I, yes, I do. Um, I was walking about 
five five six months ago mm-hmm. um and then i hurt my back was learning how to use prosthetics was that the hardest part of your rehab or is that actually surprisingly easy no it wasn't it's kind of one of those things where you don't really have a choice like you know like a lot of people ask me with driving you know the same thing with driving with my hand controls they want to know how I drive, especially kids. You know, is it hard? Was it hard to learn to drive? With the same thing with walking. You know, it, it was one of those things where I didn't have a choice. You know, I had I I had to learn. Yeah. Or I couldn't couldn't do anything do with anything. my life. Yeah. So so it was it wasn't easy. It was hard. The walking was hard. Um, I've I've had to start in the last. 12 years, I mean, 12, 12 years, I've had to start over walking five times. Um, that, I mean, that's just from, you know, having a hip replacement, you have to start over. Um, fracturing your back, you got to start over. You know, the weight gain, yeah, I had to start over. The weight loss, you have to start over. You know, all fluctuate, everything. They always say if you don't use it, you lose it. So you got to, you got to get there. All right, let's talk about how you're hunting, all right? So you've got the prosthetics. Do you put on prosthetics when you go hunt? What do you, how are you doing this? So when we go hunting, I, I usually hunt out of a track chair. Um, it's a, pretty much a wheelchair, but it's got a tank, tank, tank treads. A tank and a wheelchair had yes. a baby. Yes, pretty much. I, yeah. Like, that's what there, it is. There are some, um, and it's through Action Track. Um, they, they're the ones who make these chairs. It is, you showed some... me a photo. I knew the answer to this question. I just wanted you to bring it up. It looks awesome. Like, it is, I mean, it's out of a movie. Yes, sir. It's amazing. How did you find that chair? How did you get one? So I, okay, so I'm not a person to ask for things. I don't have, I, I don't want things given to me. But I saw this chair, and I really wanted it. Uh, because of the hunting, you know, going out with Tim and getting that turkey, uh, I wanted I wanted the chair really bad. So I I talked with an organization um, called the Independence Fund, and they they worked with me, um, and they they got me. Um, they worked with uh, Tire Pro and the Texas Rangers, and they don't presented me the my track chair at Arlington Globe, Globe Life Park during a baseball game. Whoa. Um it, it was it was a pretty cool deal. That is awesome. Yeah. How, it's it's a serious piece of equipment. How much do you know how much that thing weighs? 300, 300 pounds. Okay. Yeah. And it, you're just cruising outside on that yeah. thing, no issues, no worries. No, yeah. No. I mean it only goes about <laughs> 5 5 miles an hour. That's probably a good thing. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you say so. <laughs> I know that I know the guy who makes them, so he can make them faster. Yeah, it is saying put a turbocharger on it. <laughs> um, so when when you're out there, do you want the camaraderie? Do you want the feeling of being in the field? Do you want that freedom when you are out there, not being a member of this organization? You, the individual, what do you want when you're out there with the guys hunting? So, several years before I got involved with Texas Hunters for Heroes, 
there was a big part of me that I went through every single day thinking I'm not a Marine. I'm not a Marine. There's I was mad at the world. I was I was mad at the Marines. I was I was I was I was just angry. I was upset. But then I you know, I I, I got involved with Texas Hunters for Heroes and I became a Marine again. I I got back. It's not I realize it's not, it was never the legs, what I was missing, you know, it was, there's something, it was just something else, it was just, I was just empty inside, and now I'm not, you know, I've, I do, I feel like a Marine again, you know, I've got purpose, I stay in touch with the Marines that we take out, and those Marines they call other Marines, and so on and so forth. So it's, it, I mean, it's just a big, it's a huge friendship for me. It's got to be impossible to get people to understand that weren't in the Corps or didn't serve to understand the idea that it's not the injury that you have a problem with, it's the lack of camaraderie. That brotherhood that you don't have is more important to you than than your physical being. Yes, when you're out there with the guys, they automatically get that. I'd imagine it's something that you don't even have to talk about. Oh yeah, they. That's and that's what Tim. That's what's. That's what I fell in love with Tim, and Texas Hunters for Heroes. And when he asked me to become a board member, there was no hesitation, because they've never looked at me or any of the other veterans, first responders that we have taken out as handicapped disabled crippled never not once you know i joke i joke about my injuries a lot and and tim doesn't like that he gets mad at me he gets he gets mad at other people um but i i do that's how i deal with it i joke i laugh about it that's it it does it it just helps me that's a little gallows humor goes a long way you know it does sometimes (laughs) (laughs) How did you actually become Senior Veterans Coordinator for Texas Hunters for Heroes? As I was saying earlier, people start off with organizations like this, and all of a sudden, they are in it. They are a part of this organization. So you were asked to be a part of this organization by Tim? Yes, sir. Um, About last May, I think it was last May, March, last March, um, we had, I'd gone on a couple hunts with uh, Texas Hunters for Heroes, and yeah, Tim called me, and he said, how would you like to be on the board? Was it something you expected? No. How did it feel? Good, because it, it let me know that somebody believed in me again. I know my, my wife and my family does. You know, I, I give them a huge credit at where I'm at right now. But Tim... And Texas Hunters for Heroes, they've the the path that they've set me down. It's just endless now. How much? How much do you think Tim was a part of your success? Probably a good seventy five percent of it. You know, he he's not easy. He can be hard. He can be tough. But he's he lets you know when you're messing up, and he lets you know when you're doing good. There's not very many leaders out there that I've been under that I've seen lead like this so I'm it was just no hesitation when he asked me 
what do you I asked him this question what do you do when you are out there with the guys what role do you serve before I became a board member that was the biggest question within myself what was I gonna do um, as a board member because I really fell in love with hunting and then becoming a board member that was gonna limit the hunting but I mean it didn't it hasn't you know, I, I go out there and we we bring the guy we bring the guys out there and for the most part I talk, I listen to the guys. That's that's what I that's what I enjoy doing now. You know, the last hunt we went on, uh, we took uh, it was a big hunt. You know, we I did we did a lot of talking. It was just, just talking. Surprising how much that gets done. Yes, yeah, and that it it that's what helps me. That's what gets me through my days. That's kind of what you're getting out of the organization now, I, I would yes, guess. Yes, yeah. You know, when we, I mean, there's still times where I'm, I go through rough times. And MHMR is, does still play a big role in my life. A big role. The, the brotherhood of this, this organization, there's, there's nothing, there's not another one like it. Well, it's a fantastic organization. Unfortunately, we are running out of time. It is Texas Hunters for Heroes, DFW. They have chapters all over the region, all over the nation. So if you're somehow listening to this outside of the great state of Texas, you can still be a part of it. If you want to find them online, their website is texashuntersforheroes.org, or you can give them a call at 817-939-6002. Look them up on Facebook. There's a lot of ways. So if you want to find them, it's easy to do. I'm jealous. I went turkey hunting once. Didn't even see a turkey. Well, you need to get out there. I mean, turkey hunting's one of my favorites. It's my favorites. Come out with us. We might have to do it. All right. I've been speaking with Patrick Myers. He is the senior veterans coordinator for Texas Hunters for Heroes. It's great speaking with you, man. I really appreciate the time. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for your time, sir. And that will do it. Before we go, I want to thank my guest one last time, Tim Wyland and Patrick Myers of Texas Hunters for Heroes. You can find them online at texashuntersforheroes.org or give them a call at 817-939-6002. I'm Nick Carissimi. Join me again next time on Better Living. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.